is Pull Yourself Together with E. Shaver Booksellers. Hello, I'm Jessica, a lifelong lover of books, wide-ranging reader, fan of obscure British literature, all things Douglas Adams, long sentences, music biographies, the Oxford comma, always up for travel, except during COVID, and of course, Jane Austen. And I'm Melissa, an eclectic bibliophile and all-around nerd who also loves Jane Austen, comics, and cooking. Together, we run an independent bookstore in Savannah, Georgia. Each episode, we discuss the books we've been reading and recommend. Well, hi there, everyone. (laughs) Hi. Guess what? We're back. Yeah, and you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and take the blame for this one. Um, I, I ended up breaking myself, and... It was a little accident, and yeah. then we, um, because Melissa does a lot of the um, back-end things at the store, a lot of the reorders and I'm receiving basically, I'm and basically accounting. your backroom gremlin. <laughs> um, that meant that I had to step into that position, which is not, um, I, I enjoyed doing it, and it's a lot of fun to do things you don't normally do, and there's a... a a good amount of learning that goes on there. Yes. <laughs> and um, I think it was a great experience, but I'm so happy Melissa's <laughs> back. <laughs> well, and and also um, that that obviously pushed back our recording um, of our next podcast episode. And so we continue in our longstanding tradition of not being timely, but we get there eventually. <laughs> yes. So we, we read and we love to talk about books. Yeah. Um, and eventually we'll talk to you about books. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just going to kind of be on our schedule. And hopefully someday that will be a more regular schedule. But it is a bookshop. We do work in retail. Yeah. Our lives are um, somewhat predictable and somewhat unpredictable yes. so we appreciate your patience and if you continue to listen to us in spite of the lag in between episodes we do appreciate that so yeah, so thank, thank you. you and we're sorry yes and and for the like maybe 37 of you who enjoy this <laughs> thank you yes. thanks for for hanging in there yeah and to um the the lovely person from salzburg austria who emailed us that's super cool that there's people in other countries that listen to I us. I know. We're famous in other countries. I, I was pretty sure it was only like my family members who listen to us. <laughs> but here we are learning every day that there are actual humans that listen to this that are not related to me. <laughs> or me. Yes. It's very exciting. So yeah. truly, thank you. Yeah. Um, so we're going to have fun talking about a few things and then... Jess, our Penguin Random House rep, Mm -hmm. is going to talk to you about books that she's excited about. Some of which are already out, some of which are on the horizon. And then, like we do with all of our reps, we had a homework assignment. And so we'll talk a little bit about that. And let let me just preview that and say that this was not any sort of work. It was a true delight. (laughs) Uh, Yes. um, I'm sorry we're going to talk so much about it because the book doesn't come out until... April of next year. So it will give you plenty of time to be excited. Mm -hmm. And and there's an exciting, exciting bit about it. If you pre-order it... Oh, 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 we'll get there. Okay. (laughs) Don't jump the gun. (laughs) So excited. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. Well, so Jessica, um, we had our our September free to read away from book club (laughs) commitments, which while we love our book clubs, it was nice to not have the responsibility of reading, um, you know, 
as many books as and in addition to what we want to read and, yeah and um and arcs that we need to read. Yeah. So I, what did I read? Well, I read for another book group that didn't stop during that time. <laughs> and I read a book that I have um, bought five times now. Jessica and myself both have bought this book multiple times because every time we see it, we're like, oh, that oh. looks super good. And then we buy it. And again, yes. <laughs> and then we go home and we're like, oh, I didn't read it the first time. So yeah. I had finally just come to the, you know, the point in life where I got rid of all the copies that I had bought before because I'm like, this is my white whale. I'm just never going to read this book. And then um, I had a book club <laughs> that forced me to read it. And it turns out that The Shadow of the Wind by Carlos Ruiz Zafron. Uh, it's a fantastic book, and it I is was something you actually liked. <laughs> it it is something that I would have actually liked and did like, and um, I know that most of you out there have probably read it because it was a bestseller and continued to be sort of a sensation. Um, and then people reread or discovered him when he passed away fairly recently. And um, but I'm just gonna say it, it's a beautiful book. It's a book about books. It also takes place in Barcelona um, after the Civil War, while World War II is going on. And so part of the history of it I found fascinating because you just don't think of, or I didn't think of how Spain stood apart from the rest of Europe during that time. And, um, and then it's, there's a love story. It, it's a book within a book. It's a it's a mystery. It's a mystery. Yeah. It, I mean, it's really got everything, and um, the writing is beautiful. Mm -hmm. The characters are are intriguing. Um, it starts out with the main character, who's Daniel Simpre, and I'm going to mispronounce things, and I'm sorry. Um, and at the beginning of the story, he's a boy, and he grows up during the book, and um, he becomes fascinated with a novel by an obscure writer that he finds in the library of books, uh, the secret library of books, um, called The Shadow of the Wind. And the author is named Julian Carrax, C-A-R-A-X, but nobody knows anything about him or where to find him. And so Daniel spends a lot of his time trying to track down the story of what happened to this author and in it discovers a lot of other stories within the story. So there's a love story within the book, a love story between the author that he's looking for and another person, and then a love story that he's involved in. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's, it's complicated, fascinating, twisty, interesting. And if I'm, remember correctly it's the first in a series there it are is. like so there's three in the series well but also for people who have read the whole series there is coming out either mm -hmm. this winter or possibly the spring mm -hmm. i know there are arcs out for it now because i got one for caitlin oh nice. um that is um a little short book of short stories that happen in the same universe. Oh, like the same very world nice. Of this. Well, I'm going to look forward to that. So the angels game came out after the shadow of the wind and it's a prequel, mm -hmm. which I'm very interested in reading now that I 
read The Shadow of the Wind. And then the third one is The Prisoner of Heaven, which is the continuation of The Shadow of the mm-hmm. Wind. So um, so there, if, you, if you love... Um, to me, it was like Gabriel Garcia Marquez and Murakami had a beautiful Spanish baby that lived in Spain mm-hmm. right after the Civil War. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, so... My first um, experience with this book was when I worked for Borders, you know, several Mm -hmm. years ago while Borders was still in business. Um, In the last, like, year or two that the company was in business, they had these things called make books. Mm -hmm. And they were books that they made us recommend to everyone, like, just regardless of what your reading tastes mm-hmm. were just regardless of anything. They were books that they made us recommend to literally every single so person I'm looking we dealt for, with. I'm looking for stink, string theory. Uh, the book about tennis written by that guy. Well, if you like that, you might also like the shadow of the wind. <laughs> um, my favorite was when they had, um, the girl with the dragon tattoo as a make book. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the grandmother who's looking for Anne of green Gables for yeah. her, uh, for her grandchild. If you like that, you might also <laughs> like this book that has rape and misogyny. What is there not to love well, about and, it? And murder. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. So that was a, uh, awkward, an awkward moment in borders history. Uh, um, but, but the shadow of the wind was one of their make books. So that was why I was, super familiar with it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, reading what this one's about, I actually would like to read this. And so I have a copy from that. Yep. And then as Jessica did, I continued to buy it four other times. And <laughs> I have not, I have yet to read it now, but I will. <laughs> yes. Well, I, um, so I enjoyed it so much and I'm sort of entering a new phase of my book collecting life that if I really love a book and I think I will read it again, I buy a nice hardcover of it. Mm-hmm. So I, um, put my paperback in the free library and I bought a lovely hardcover of it. And, um, I hopefully I will have it for many years to come and I will probably reread it cause it, um, I read it very quickly and I want to take a minute and really savor it the next time I read it. Yeah. Um, but I think we could all recommend <laughs> <laughs> the shadow of the wind, not because someone's paying us to, but because we genuinely liked it. Um, well, I generally liked it, and I, I really feel that Melissa will. I mean, I could be wrong, but I'd be surprised. I mean, it seems it, it seems to check a lot of boxes for me, so mm-hmm. I, I don't really think I'm not going to like it. But yeah. You can almost smell the books in the bookstore. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, yeah. Yeah, that's good times. Mm-hmm. Well, Melissa, what have you been up to well, when you weren't um, writhing in pain? When I wasn't, you know, broken. Um, so sort of in that same vein... Um, I had gone to a virtual event that um, Penguin Random House was having um, that was uh, Ruth Ozeki um, uh-huh. was in conversation with her editor because she had a new book that came out last month called The Book of Form and Emptiness. And I hadn't really, I didn't really know her. I knew mm-hmm. that she had other work. I hadn't read anything by her before. But listening to her talk about this book, I was really interested and I hadn't gotten in an arc for that book yet. So I went back and I read, um, a tale for the time being, which she was talking about kind of, there's a connection, I guess, between that and her new book. And I'm, Mm -hmm. and I I haven't read the new book yet still. So I'm, I'm very excited about it, but, um, I did read a tale for the time being and, (laughs) 
I loved it. Like, yeah. I loved it. Um, okay, so it came out in um, 2013, and it was a finalist for the Man Booker Prize mm-hmm. in the year that it came out. Um, and it's a really difficult book to describe mm-hmm. because it's so different from anything else that I've ever read before. Um, the narration alternates between chapters. Um, so the first narration is a 16 year old girl named Naoki Mm -hmm. who, um, is living in Japan, but she lived in the U S until she was eight or nine. I believe, um, Mm -hmm. her father was, um, working for a tech company in California and ended up losing his job, so moved the family back to Japan. And so mm-hmm. Naoki is not familiar with Japanese culture. She's sort of a bigger girl, not mm-hmm. like not like obese big, but she's tall, tall and just bigger than most Japanese children are. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's awkward around other kids her age, and she's just bullied mercilessly. And... Mm-hmm. Um, it is very, very um, brutal, the descriptions of the bullying that she mm-hmm. faces in this book. So I will say just a caveat that that it there are some intense moments in this book. Um, and her father it has not been able to find a job. Her oh. mother is working at a publishing company, um, publishing like these um, almost sort of like the you know, sold door to door series about, uh, or like encyclopedias or like okay. books about philosophers. Right. And so her dad is actively trying to commit suicide and is not succeeding at it. Like wow. he's tried multiple times and it has not worked. It's not taken. No, it's not taken. Um, and so she is writing in this diary and she, so her, she also plans to commit suicide. And before she does so, she wants to tell the story mm-hmm. of her grandmother, who is a 104-year-old Buddhist nun with this fascinating past of being like this um, super feminist activist, mm-hmm. like back in like the 1920s. Um, she uh, had a son who was a kamikaze pilot in World War II. It's just a fascinating story. And so mm-hmm. she wants to tell the story of her so grandmother. So her father's brother was a kamikaze yes. pilot yes. in World War II. Her, her uncle. Her was, uncle, yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's... That's got to be a lot of... There, there's a... There, yeah, yeah so there's, tension there's, there. There's a lot of tension there. So that's part of the narration. And then the other part of the narration is Ruth Ozeki writing herself as a character in the book... And she mm-hmm. is an author, um, and did, like she talks about her and her husband. They live mm-hmm. in the same place that they actually live in real life, so it's very meta, like mm-hmm. her talking about her um, her own life. Um, and so she is out on the beach one day because they live on this island, and um, it's right after the. Um, Oh, the, the tsunami. Tsunami the, that took out the, the nuclear power plant. Yes. yes. So it's right after that. Mm-hmm. And so the first sort of drift of the um things that wash up. Yeah, yeah. from from that mm-hmm. start to wash up on the beach. And so she finds this Hello Kitty lunchbox mm-hmm. <laughs> that has drifted up onto the beach. So she takes it home and she opens it, and in it is this diary that mm-hmm. is um, wa- wrapped up in this waterproof um, protectant. There's a 
watch, mm-hmm. which turns out was the Kamikaze Uncle's watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it gets there eventually. Okay. <laughs> um, and then this packet of letters. And so the diary is written in more modern Japanese, mm-hmm. and she is of Japanese descent. Mm-hmm. Um, so she can translate the more modern Japanese. And so, so where which beach does it wash up on? Um it's an island in Canada. Okay. Um, so it's yeah. Like in the, the Vancouver yes, area. Yeah, yes. in that in that yes. area. Um and so the so the parts that are Nayuki's diary entries, there's actual like footnotes where she's going in and reading this diary mm-hmm. and is like annotating the translation of it and explaining how you know, this is what the the Japanese characters actually literally say, but mm-hmm. this is what it actually means. And it's so then there's like appendixes that deal with um, uh, like physics mm-hmm. and um, Buddhist um, theories and all these interesting things. Um, and so there's a bit of magical realism in it because mm-hmm. as she's reading the diary, it sometimes changes and like, she knows that it's written all the way to the end, but one time when she picks it up, there's no writing. Okay, well, don't give away yeah, too no, much because I'm, 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 I'm yeah. So it's it's because it's on my my to be read pretty soon list. Yeah, so. but it's just um, it's just like it's got fiction, sort of nonfiction, philosophy, physics, religion. Mm-hmm. It, there, it's just got <laughs> all the stuff and all things. the stuff and things. Um and it made me even more excited to read her newest book. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is moving up my to be read pile. Very so, good. So a tale for the time being by Ruth Ozeki. Yes. I really look forward to reading that. Well, um, since I was kind of in this world anyway, I picked up, there's a little book um, that I ordered when I was ordering, ordering for the store. <laughs> Um, because I really wanted to read it. And it's a very slim volume, and it's called A Farewell to Gabo and Mercedes, A Son's Memoir. And it's by um, Rodrigo Garcia, and he is the son of um, Gabriel Garcia Marquez and his mother, uh, Mercedes Baraja. Mm-hmm. Baraja? Um, anyway, <laughs> yes. And um, so he started writing this memoir. His father had had dementia and was kind of going downhill for a while. And um, he started kind of thinking about this, about his father's life and everything, and the time he spent with him and um, was asking him questions and enjoying the time with him. But then he got a cold and ended up going to the hospital and it became pneumonia. And his mom was like, this is it. And, um, and, and so he talks about that journey of going through his father's life and high points in his memories of the, his father. Um, but he also uses his reporting skills. So it's a, it's a very personal and poignant memoir, but somehow it's told without a lot of regard for his particular emotional state, almost. Um, it's not that he's detached. It's that he just tells it without bringing too much of himself into it. Okay. Um, Which must be difficult to do when you're talking about the death of both well, of your and, parents. And, right. And he does bring himself into it, but you really feel that the main characters are his, his mother and his father and his family. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
And he, he just goes through all the things that we all have to go through, um, even if your father is very famous, um, when someone dies that you love. Mm-hmm. So he talks about, you know, um, well, he talks about his father coming out of the hospital, and that part is hard because people have heard, and so he's, it suddenly dawns on him that his father is as famous as he is mm-hmm. because the press just gathers outside of their house. And... Um, he lives for uh, a few days after he's out of the hospital, and it's um, he just talks about how the family gathers, you know, how his wife is flying in from California with their kids, and um, will they get there in time? And it's if you've ever been through this, um, it's a kind of not fun club to join, but um, it's one that we'll all join eventually. Mm-hmm. And I think he just does what I love in memoirs and and books like this is he takes the human experience, his human experience, and he shows us that it's a shared human experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I promise you I cried um, (laughs) like at least three or four times. I'm almost tearing up now Um, because it was just so beautifully written. It's just really tender and it's a beautiful tribute um, and he's a, an amazing writer and famous in his own right. Um, and then he talks about his mother. So his mother died after his father, um, and she died during COVID, and so he was not with her. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was a totally different experience. And, right. um, yeah, it's it's maybe 100 pages, and then in the back part of the book it has pictures and remembrances, mm-hmm. and um, it's a very quick read. Um but it is a, what's the word? It's um, cathartic. Okay. And, um, but, but also just beautiful and a real kind of insight into the family life of this very famous man and his very sparky wife <laughs> and their love story, which is beautiful. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a beautiful little piece of writing about grief. Okay. And I would highly recommend it. Um, so, yeah, on that happy note. Well, mine's going <laughs> to sound completely trite after that. Uh, <laughs> but, um, um, okay, so one of the things that I really enjoy, and I don't know why I enjoy this so much, um, but, I, but I do, is um, when people have almost like an encyclopedic knowledge of pop culture and where they can talk about pop culture in, uh, like, almost like academic terms like oh no we 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 both know people like that. yeah but yeah, it's I, just like there's something i really enjoy about it and i think i think honestly thinking about it what it is is like i like when something i enjoy that seems so fluffy and i know is just you know kind of dumb but mm-hmm. uh, but i did it it's entertaining but when someone can look at something like that and actually relate it back to the real world and talk about its place Mm -hmm. in sort of our cultural history and how things tie in. And, you know, like, I think that's fascinating. We actually just had Grady Hendrix. Oh, he did such a good job of that. We had him for an event and uh, we had, uh, had planned an event with him for the Southern book clubs guide to vampire slaying, but that got canceled because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So we were really delighted to finally have him here in person to do an event with us. And he is exactly what I'm talking about. Like he is like, Oh my gosh, he's amazing. He's amazing. And just his 
immense knowledge on the subject he talks mm-hmm. about is just fascinating. Well, but he talks about the history of horror, which I really never, you know, just never thought about. Yeah, and but and actually, like the societal things that contribute to that genre. Mm-hmm. But okay, so I'm, but it's we not, digress. We but... digress. Um, what I'm talking about is not horror. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a book called "I'll Be There for You," the one about mm-hmm. Friends by Kelsey Miller, and it's about the TV show Friends. Yes. Um, which I, I absolutely love. And I know that there are things about it that are just not great. Um, but it was something that first came on when I was a oh. sophomore in high school. Mm-hmm. And I watched it from the very beginning. And I watched it to the very end. And I have watched it literally probably a hundred times since then. Like to the point that my husband has pulled the audio of it and put it on an iPod. And that's what we just play the audio of all the episodes when we go to sleep at night, because it's just background noise at this point. Like we know it so well. Oh yeah. I would like to say I don't do stuff like that, but I do. But you do. (laughs) But I totally do. And it's, um, um, it's, it's fair. It's something that you love. I mean, Seinfeld also problematic. Yeah. Um, but I, that was the same kind of thing. I not grew up with them because I was old, not older. Anyway. Yeah. I watched them from beginning to end. Yeah, exactly. And so this um, came out right before the reunion show of mm-hmm. Friends came on. Um, and, then, and then there was just a lot of... There were actually two books that came out right around the same time that were sort of the same subject. But so she looks at Friends and she, she looks at it from the very beginning. She kind of goes through the history mm-hmm. of Friends. She talks about um, uh, Marta and David Kaufman like creating... Um, the show and Mm -hmm. how it came to be and like how they cast it and like stories about all of that. But then she also talks about things like how, you know, for the time friends was actually, um, a little ahead of its time. Like it had the first lesbian wedding on prime time. Um, it, you know, the characters dated interracially. Um, they did. And um, they, they didn't get married right away. They, and they... Um, actually, they um, all of the female characters in the show don't really follow a traditional path to no. motherhood. Um, you have Phoebe, who acts as a surrogate for her brother when That's they right. can't have children. Rachel ha- is a single mother who has a baby from like a one night stand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Monica who's unable to get pregnant. And mm-hmm. so they adopt. So it, f- it follows like a whole mm-hmm. big thing with that. Um, it was just, it was, it's interesting because she looks at it from the cultural standpoint of it and where it fit in culturally at the time. But she also looks at the things that looking back on it are now, problematic Mm -hmm. um and and doesn't shy away from those things like the character of joey is a pretty disgusting character (laughs) like i mean honestly like they make a big deal and like laugh about the fact that he sleeps with countless women Mm -hmm. and he's probably likely a sex addict if you actually really look at his character um but she talks about how the fact that like matt leblanc was always concerned throughout the course of the show especially Mm -hmm. as the salaries for the actors got more and more expensive mm-hmm. and the budget for the show possibly couldn't handle all of them. He's like, if yeah. they're going to get rid of any of us, they're going to get rid of me because my character is gross. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> like honestly. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, it was just, 
a really, really quick read. I actually read it like one day sitting on the couch mm-hmm. while I was broken. And um, it just it it's the kind of thing where it's just kind of almost like reading about people who are your friends because right. you've spent so much time oh, with them. I see what you did there. Yes. But, <laughs> and also one of the other things that I think is really funny and um, Tim and I have talked about this a lot is how how little knowledge actors have of the show that they've been on. Mm-hmm. Like once they're done filming, like they don't remember like half the crap that happened on the TV yeah. show, but, but it's because they didn't watch it a hundred times. No, Like they filmed those scenes and moved on because that was their job. But like when you talk to them later, they're like, I no, I don't remember that. Did that happen? Was that person a guest on the show? I don't remember right. them being on there. <laughs> now I could see how that can happen because I don't remember every day at the bookstore. No, no, I mean, but it know. just it just seems so um, so weird to me because I've watched it so many times. I can quote the dialogue word <laughs> for word for every episode. <laughs> okay, alrighty then. Um, yeah, so so we know how Melissa feels about friends. I now. do love friends. I know. Um, There's everybody's got everybody's got their thing. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'll be there for you. The one about friends by Kelsey Miller. Mm-hmm. If you're a, a fan of the show, it's it's just a fun read. Yes. Well, next, uh, Melissa and I both just finished rereading Northanger Abbey. Yes. By um, the wonderful Jane Austen. Yes. And. I'm going to say that I think we both appreciated it more than we ever have. Yeah, I'm going to admit that prior to reading it this time, and I've read it several times. Like, mm-hmm. I read all of her books at least once a year. Um, I, when I read it this time, because we have the Jane Austen Book Club and right. because we are discussing Jane Austen and the time that she lived in much more frequently and really looking at it... Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a lot more in this novel than I have before. I always kind of wrote it off as just like she's satirizing gothic novels. Yeah, okay, great. Mm-hmm. That, that's well, that's it's, fine, it's, Jane. <laughs> it's it's a little harder because I mean, it is one of her, it, it's her first novel, mm-hmm. and so um, it almost fits now that you know we've been talking about her so much and um, delving into a lot of things. It almost fits in her juvenilia to some degree because it's it's just almost a caricature of, of her later books. Yeah, and I, I definitely think after having read her juvenilia and like mm-hmm. the kind of... Um, drama, drama, drama. Drama, 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 yes, of it mm-hmm. all. Like, yes, it definitely fits in better with that. But there are, there are things that are... Um, interesting. Interesting about it. I think the characters... I think we all agreed mm-hmm. in book club that the characters in this are... Almost prototypes for later characters. Well, yes, but also kind of caricatures of a certain sort of trope in mm-hmm. books. Um, yeah, but she um, she's working out sort of the villainess, mm-hmm. um, the rake, um, yeah. and the the slow and steady um, sort of um, parson that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it is one of the few books where, uh, uh, I'm trying to think, I would say a priest, but that's not what she would say. Um, a rector, clergyman. a clergyman, a clergyman, there we are, <laughs> that a clergyman is portrayed as a really good guy. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I guess you could argue that 
Edward Ferris in Sense and Sensibility well, is not a bad guy. Right. I think he's a weak character, but that's just me. No, no, <laughs> he's a good guy. Um, but priests don't always... Or, Clergymen do not always come off well. Which is um, funny because she was the daughter of one. And I, I think that she's working out some things, maybe. Well, I, she probably <laughs> spent a lot of time around them. Yes. So she was able to see. Um, but even in further examination, we've all decided that Mr. Collins, although ridiculous, is not a bad person. <laughs> He's, 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 anyway, yeah. So we, we digress. digress. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I thought was fascinating about this, and it and it really struck me this time reading it, is that mm-hmm. there is more of a mention of the politics of the time. She yep. goes into um, the enclosure of what was happening, like taking these public grazing lands yep. and enclosing them onto estates, and mm-hmm. and really kind of looking at what that did to. Um, the community, the, community. the village. Yeah. And, um, and then she also goes a little bit deeper into the lives of servants and talking about kind of the, um, the part mm-hmm. of the house where the servants are, are living and working. Um, cause you don't really see that in, in pride and prejudice. Like, no, no you just know Hill appears from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, and she also, um, Isabella, her friend mm-hmm. is one of the few characters that, I mean, there are disgraced people in her books, all of them, but she's pretty blatant about what happens with Isabella. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's not, most of that usually happens off to the side. Yeah. Um, but I think she, she just kind of jumps in more to, um, the drama of being a young girl at this particular time. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So, I definitely saw much more in it than Mm -hmm. I have before. Um, It's still not my favorite of her works. I think, like like we said, it is Mm -hmm. a a much younger um, piece. But I, 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 yes, I enjoyed it more this time. Mm -hmm. I really did. Um, And I think because I don't read it as often or think about it as often, it seemed a little fresher, too. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, Um, Well, and then on that... Same note for the Jane Austen <laughs> book club. We read oh, just for fun, uh, just it, for funsies. Um, Pride and Precious, uh, which is a Mr. and Mrs. Darcy mystery story <laughs> by Carrie Bebris. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the first in a series and she does these six books where Mr. and Mrs. Darcy are basically the Nick and Nora of oh, their time yes. and solve these little kind of cozy mysteries. Well, there was some murder. Yeah, but, I mean, but, but there are murders and cozy mysteries. It's just not like vicious, like thriller murder. No, it's, it's, um, but they were, they were kind of occultish. Yeah. There was a little like metaphysical sort of occultishness mm-hmm. in the first one, but each one, each one of these novels kind of, um, deal, deals with the characters from one of Jane Austen's novels. So there's one Mm -hmm. for each one. So the first one starts with characters from Pride and Prejudice. And it was so much fun. Yeah, it really was. I mean, just a fluffy good time. Um, But that being said, she doesn't completely ruin the characters. No, she is very true to how the characters actually mm-hmm. would behave or how I feel like they would behave in this situation. I mean, right. like, you know, <laughs> um, no, she does a really good job and I was not thrown off by, you know, mm-hmm. things in the book because she sticks to the world very well. Yeah. Um, so it's after, 
um, Mr. After everybody Darcy have been married. Everybody's and, married. Yes. Um, and Caroline Bingley. Um, oh, dear. She at um, <laughs> at Elizabeth and Darcy's wedding breakfast announces yes. her engagement to this random guy that she met not too long ago. <laughs> well, a rich American mm-hmm. um, who has has caught her eye and he is um, the dashing. owner. Uh, yes, he's dashing. He is the owner of a grand um, plantation. plantation in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And this all happens in the first yeah, couple this of pages. Is like, this is not, and, and then it goes from there. And that's really all we can say without yeah, giving away too you much. You can't talk about it too much. Um, but, but if you're just looking for a, like, if you're traveling or going to the beach or what somewhere where you just want something that's diverting. Or if you just want to sit down with a with cup a, of coffee and yeah. read something fun and you're yeah. a Jane Austen fan, this is, it's just fun, but it also makes you kind of feel... Um, like you've gone back in the world that you want to yeah, be yeah, in, that yeah. you so can you spend, spend a little more, more time with with your your dear friends from Pride and Prejudice. Yes, <laughs> yes, um, yeah. So I would definitely recommend that one. And yeah, I haven't I, read the rest of the series, I but I'm going to read this whole series when they came out originally, like years ago. Um, and how so, I miss them is beyond me. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but I I was <laughs> I was a little. Um, little nervous about doing mm-hmm. this for the book club because it had been so long since I read them, but I was very glad that it, yep. it held up. It, it was, well, we had a really good discussion about yeah, it. Like surprisingly what, good discussion about it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how, but it, it really was a great discussion. Mm-hmm. I, what did we get it? We got off into, um, well, it was one of the things that we discussed it. It was interesting because one of the women who came to the book club made a very good point about, like discussing it both as Jane Austen sort of ephemera, mm-hmm. discussing it as a mystery, right, and then discussing it as something that dealt with the occult and sort of mysticism, right. So kind of looking at at it through those three lenses, and it was interesting to kind of dissect it, mm-hmm. looking at those specific things. And it, it came out best as sort of Jane Austen, yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> fan fiction. Ephemera. Yeah. <laughs> ephemera, yes. Jane Austen ephemera. Yeah. Um, but yes, and then and then I think we're gonna talk about the book that I alluded to earlier. Yeah. So well first we're gonna let um Jess give us a rundown of some of the books mm-hmm. she's excited about. Um and then I think we'll dive into the book. Can but, we dare we speak its name? I mean okay, we can speak its name. <laughs> it's it's the Sea of Tranquility, which mm-hmm. is Emily St. John Mandel's new book. Um, oh my gosh, it's so good! <laughs> if you are a fan, it's wonderful. Yeah, and that's there we go. Yes. So, without further ado, let's welcome Jess. <laughs> and it's very exciting because she's actually here with us in the same room. We haven't seen each other uh, live on Zoom. In a long time. So it's exciting to have you back here. Yes, so welcome. good to be here. Thank you, guys. It's been two years almost? It's been, I think, two years. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it seems like so much longer because pandemic months are like six months long, right? Yeah, what is time? <laughs> time is ever-changing, ever-shifting. Is it real? Yes. We just judge it by the amount of cats we have in the store now. And they have increased, I can yes. say, yeah. since I was here last. So. I mean, the newest edition is very tiny. You would hardly even notice her. It's true. 
<laughs> yes. Um, so for those of you who don't know, we have Bookshop Cats, and um, we have a new one. Her name is Morticia, mm-hmm. and she is going to be, um, if you're familiar with Mr. Elliot and Bartleby, they're rather large boys, and Skimble Shanks is a nice mid-sized cat. <laughs> she, uh, she's... Yes, Ruben-esque, <laughs> but, but mid-sized in yes. stature. Yes. <laughs> she's just growing into herself. She's a curvy lady, and it's yeah, fine. It's <laughs> totally fine. And we, our newest our newest little girl, Morticia, um, apparently is going to be a very wee kitty. Mm-hmm. Um, her top weight will probably be around five pounds. So we don't know whether she'll actually make it out onto the floor because... Um, she we, could get stepped on. Yes. <laughs> and you know what? She has free range right now, but she is terrified of pretty much everything. So yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Yeah. So. But, well, we digress. Yes. <laughs> as you do, as one is wont to do. Extreme. Yes. So tell us, tell us what we should be reading this fall. Well, um, I am going to, yeah, share a couple of my favorite books for the fall. And then I mm-hmm. want to do a spring preview because we have a lot of really great stuff. Coming the spring, spring is going to be amazing. The spring oh, is yes. going to be amazing. <laughs> so I'm going to tease you all a little bit with some spring books. But um, yes, for the fall. So uh, one book that I love so much, it's already on sale. Well, a couple of these are already on sale. Uh, Beautiful Country by Uh, Shen Julie Mm -hmm. Wong. Have you guys read this? Well, okay. (laughs) It's you on the spot. Awkward. (laughs) No, I... I It's in Jessica's list of things that she's going to read, though. Yes, and I cleaned out my pile today, and it remained. Good. I'm keeping it over there so I can see. You did, in fact, keep it. Yes, yes. Um, So Beautiful Country is a memoir. Shen Julie is um, a Chinese immigrant. She came here when she was a child, undocumented. She was, I think eight years old and came over Mm -hmm. with her mom and dad to New York City's Chinatown. This was in the 90s. And the book is really, um, it's mostly centered on her childhood and it has the tone, her voice in the book is just um, really beautiful. She strikes just the perfect note of that kind of wonder and amazement that you would have as a child Mm -hmm. coming into New York City. But she's also telling the very raw story of being undocumented and this included going to work with her mother in a sweatshop, Mm -hmm. um, working with her mom after school at a sushi plant where she would actually um, fillet the fish and just her description of this cold steely room with the water sloshing into her uh, boots it's so vivid um but I can can you smell it i, I can, can smell, smell it yeah, yeah i'm smelling it mm-hmm. yeah. maybe yeah. yeah it's it's very vivid yes <laughs> um so it's uh it, yeah it, it it is really a story of resilience um ultimately uh it is triumphant she grows up she um learns english she is successful in school now she has gone on to get her law degree she practices in new york city as a lawyer working with um immigrants and and mm-hmm. you know kind of giving back in that way so she's an amazing woman and the book i just can't say enough about it it kind of reminded me of um if you remember uh angela's ashes mm-hmm. you know just yeah. this like story of you know, poverty and hardship, but through the eyes of a child. So yes. And it was also picked as a, I think it was a read with Jenna book, uh, book club pick. So Mm -hmm. it's a national book club, which is always nice to have that endorsement. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's one of my absolute favorites. I was, it reminded me like a little bit of the levers by Lisa Coe. Oh, yes. But, but I like that it's, a triumphant book because <laughs> like, yes. that one like broke my soul um so i like that i i want to read it because i really enjoyed the levers but i i, I want 
a nice ending. Yeah, <laughs> this one is definitely, um, I mean, yeah, like I said, she does not mince words around the things that were hard, but her relationship with her parents is so beautiful. There's just a lot of heart and a lot of love in the book. Mm-hmm. And then seeing how she makes a life for herself and is successful. And um, obviously there's a lot of you know stories about immigration in the news right now and this idea of what it means to be part of the American dream and mm-hmm. for what whatever that means nowadays you know she did kind of you know make her way and and um you know became a full citizen and and mm-hmm. um yeah is now very successful and and talented as a writer so i i definitely say that's a big big fall book for me yeah. um also, uh, Harlem Shuffle, you know, yes. I know everyone knows, <laughs> yes. this is no surprise, yes. our favorite, beloved, two-time Pulitzer Prize winning Colson Whitehead has a new book, and um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention it, because it is incredible, and this man mm-hmm. is just, I think, at the height of his powers, and he is not coming down from his perch um, at any time soon. So this is just another incredible novel from Colson, and I think the thing I liked about this, I mean, I loved underground railroad Mm -hmm. i loved nickel boys um they were heavy and hard yes (laughs) and we needed them and Mm -hmm. i'm so glad that colson gave us um these experiences but it it was nice to read something if a little lighter from him yeah he Mm -hmm. there i mean there's the whole like kind of family drama aspect Mm -hmm. of it that is a little heavier but it it is definitely lighter colson whitehead where he it, it was just like here here's i'm gonna give you this book that's beautifully written and super fun and is not going to destroy you yeah yes <laughs> like, so he was, he was like you know what here's a gift i got this for you totally <laughs> here's your pandemic book yeah. yes i was listening to his um interview with terry gross and he said he likes to do serious uh comic or well not comic but light like serious light serious light mm-hmm. and alternate but he said after underground railroad it was processing you know the era that we were in politically and Mm -hmm. um you know just what was going on obviously with race relations and he said he he had to work that out in nickel boys so he had Mm -hmm. to do two back-to-back series so he was really overdue for something a little lighter and um yeah yeah, it's a great crime novel it's a heist novel Mm -hmm. so for anyone who is um, a fan of that genre you're gonna love this it's set in harlem in the 19 well it's three time periods um 59 yeah 59 and then it's in the 60s to 64 i think yeah and there's three um you know time stamps that he that he works with within this five-year period of a really obviously pivotal period in harlem's history I will also say, if you are interested in what the Harlem Shuffle is, this is a dance, Mm -hmm. and I would highly recommend YouTube (laughs) Googling Harlem Shuffle, and you will find a duet that are, it is incredible. It is pure acrobatics. These men are practically dancing on the ceiling. It's well worth, it is well worth a Google. All right. (laughs) I'll be doing that when we're finished with this. Absolutely. (laughs) We'll go into the Googleverse. I I enjoy me some dance videos. (laughs) Yes. Um, Okay, what do I have next? Um... War for Gloria, this book by Atticus Lish. Okay. And um, Atticus Lish is a literary heavyweight. Um, I had never read his first book, Preparation for a Next Life, but Mm -hmm. it's a big bookseller favorite among, it sells very well in the indie bookstores uh, that I visit. People have read it and love him. And this was my first time reading him, but War for Gloria is stunning. And it just went on sale. The reviews have been amazing. You can mark my words. As I as I'm sitting here today, you can say I, I believe this will, or you can quote me on the fact that I think this will end up on some year end best of lists. Okay. It's just rolling in with um, some really stellar uh, positive reviews. But this is also heavy, not for the faint of heart. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't mind um, 
sitting with a box of Kleenex and uh, (laughs) yeah are you okay with that I'm okay with that sometimes you need that book that will just do good we'll dip in because yeah this is just um, it's in brief the story of Corey and he is um, well first just the setting is amazing it's Mm -hmm. like you know kind of working class Massachusetts New England town and um, it's uh, the story of a young kid Corey and I think the setting is maybe the early 2000s but um he lives with his mom single mom and he's in high school and she comes down pretty early in the book with ALS which I did not know a lot about and mm-hmm. it is um excruciating to learn about this disease mm-hmm. um which is incredibly tragic and so it the book is really a, a lot about her progression with this disease but the tension comes in when Corey's father who is a terribly toxic violent um, just really kind of dangerous man that has been estranged from the family comes back in thinking that he can help with Gloria and her condition. Mm-hmm. And so it's really a family drama tightly focused on these three and the ways that they impact each other. Um, you know, twists and turns plot wise. And then one of the best endings, he just nails the ending and the way he wraps it all up with this kind of large metaphor that then extends throughout the whole book. I just, had to sit and, you know, close it and just ponder for a long time how he pulled this all together. So I loved it. Loved it. All right. I love a good ending. I know you do. I do. (laughs) Cersei, great ending. I like a good middle. Yes. (laughs) I like the... Whole book to be good. I mean, if possible. Uh, yeah, it's, it's but, <laughs> but you know, there's a couple that we've read of late that mm-hmm. the ending is sort of ambiguous, um, mm-hmm. and true. and it's um, it's it's uh, disconcerting. I don't mm-hmm. mind an ambiguous ending occasionally. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've read a lot more of them recently, though. Like, yeah. I feel like everybody's kind of like, just figure it out for yourself. Mm. <laughs> I feel like it's... You Maybe know. this is a sign of the times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen There's next? There's no yeah. clarity, for sure. <laughs> figure it out. Yeah. Maybe um, I'll be home. Maybe, Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> Um, okay, last quick fall book that I just also have to say. We we love Rick Bragg down here. Oh, we, we love, love Rick Bragg, Rick Bragg so friend. much. He's such a buddy. And oh. so, you know, what would be a fall without a Rick Bragg book? Even better, Rick Bragg and a dog. His dog. His speckled beauty. Mm-hmm. The book is a speckled beauty, and it's just stories about him and his pup, and they're delightful. And spoiler alert, the dog does not die. This is a good spoiler. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you, there's you a dog all, on the cover, <laughs> so put out a book with a dog on the cover and the dog doesn't die yeah what is way that about expectation. I, know. I know way to just be totally <laughs> avant-garde yeah but no i want to make sure everyone knows that so you can head in with um knowing that you will end in a good place this well, is not a kleenex book because right. <laughs> well, he was telling us stories about his dog oh, when he, he was here yeah. yeah he loves his he dog. loves his dog very much and yes. yeah he's doing well and he's been out um safely signing books in some bookstores and mm-hmm. just you know excited well, to be love to have him in Savannah again. Yes, we had yeah. so much fun with him. I remember your stories about yeah. him coming down. <laughs> He's a character. He, he is such is a character. A character. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so that's my fall list, and then I'm going to like do a little spring preview yes, if it's oh, okay. Yeah. This will be lightning round, but okay. um, I'm so excited to kick off the spring January 12th publication of To Paradise, Hanya Yanagihara's new novel. (laughs) If you loved A Little Life, um, Mm -hmm. for anyone listening, we've been... talking about Kleenex. Yes, that one was... (laughs) I sobbed uncontrollably on a plane to where my seatmate 
was concerned. <laughs> so, it's like hitting the button. Yeah. Um. And, and, so that, that book wrecked me in the best possible way. Um, so yeah, To Paradise, this is her third book. And, mm-hmm. you know, people have just been eagerly anticipating it. It's been years. And um, it is stunning. It's it's a, it's a doorstop. Yeah, I yeah. was going to say, it's uh, over 700 pages, yep. as I yeah. understand but, it. But it's not like A Little Life was, you know. <laughs> no, A Little no, Life a was quick not book. brief either. No. And she, you know, she takes her time. She's mm-hmm. got a lot to say. She started working on this in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been in the works for a while. And it is three time periods. Um, it goes in the 1800s, middle of the 20th century, and then into the future three main men that occupy each like section um all of them kind of plagued with a disease that alters the course of their life in substantial ways you know she's just expert at characters and dramas and families and this cast that she pulls together and and suffering and suffering yeah Yeah. there's there's suffering (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah this is not a walk in the park no um the other thing that's interesting because i'm just so fascinated now by these authors that had their finger on the pulse Um, Back in 2017, she was studying with some um, epidemiologists at the Rockefeller Institute about infectious diseases, fascinated with this idea of what would happen if we had a pandemic. So, yeah, there have been a number of these writers. (laughs) (laughs) Or Lawrence Wright, you know, remember that one? Um, but yeah, she, she was, so there is, it's not, this is not a pandemic novel, but there is Mm -hmm. a theme that, you know, that is, that plays a role. And I just think it's interesting that Mm -hmm. she was kind of fascinated by that. So yeah, that is going to be a big one. Mm -hmm. And then, um, well, I'm going to just say, even though we're going to have a more extensive discussion, but Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John Mandel, which we're going to talk about in depth, but no, it's so good, so good, so good. So So know that that's coming. Um, also this new writer, Lee Cole, which is, um, he's a Kentucky writer, born Mm -hmm. in Kentucky, went to Iowa Writers Workshop, lives in New York now, but it is his debut novel called Groundskeeping. And Uh I Mm -hmm. loved this book so much. I've got a copy of it on my desk. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, (laughs) it's adjacent to my desk. Adjacent to the desk. Desk adjacent. I see War for Glory up there too. Right there. Oh, <laughs> it's like you knew I was coming. It, honestly, she that was not. It. No, I, she staged it for me. I did not I stage it. it. Well, I mean, I've also got the blue Viking on top there, um, so I'm sure that's a Jess favorite. Too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a story there. Melissa and I may tell. Well, so just a brief. Yeah, tell it. Aside. Digress for a moment. Just have a minute. Yeah, pull Bring this, this out. out. So, um, <laughs> oh, I'd love to do a dramatic reading of this. Oh, oh already. Well, we see. <laughs> we, we do. We, so, we have been dramatically <laughs> reading it. <laughs> so we ordered a copy. Of course of, you did. Um, well, no, color- we didn't order a copy, copy of this. this. <laughs> no, we, we ordered a copy of The Color Magic um, from our good friends at HarperCollins um, by Terry Pratchett. Mm-hmm. And what we received instead mm-hmm. of that in its own envelope is this beautiful mass market paperback from 2000-ish called The Blue Viking by Sandra Hill. And and if you could see it, it... It looks every bit of its age. It is yellowed all around. Yes. Um, (laughs) How this ended up in the envelope is really beyond us. Like, maybe somebody was reading this on their break and accidentally (laughs) stuck the wrong book in? That is what I'd love to believe. I I, I like to think so as well. And um, the, the lead character, the actual, what we must... 
One must assume he is, is the, the blue, blue Viking. Viking. But yeah, he, I would but think he doesn't have assumption. the telltale mark that the blue Viking is supposed to have. Yeah, there's like a hint of it right there. But he also, if you look at him, looks like a Office Depot employee of the month that they have photoshopped. <laughs> that is an accurate, accurate. He also, I'm getting strong, the guy that was in the Capitol with that outfit. Oh, you know, yes. He definitely yes. at least has the first stole component of that yeah. outfit. Yes, indeed he, he does. He does. It, his hair looks like maybe there's a weave going on in yeah. the back there. Yeah, but but it's a riveting story, I can tell you. It yeah. looks riveting. Um, we have been, we're on page 39 now. Oh, and, um, so this is a close reading. Oh, oh it is doing. a close reading, <laughs> yes. A studied reading. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's something that you have to take in small doses yep. and really work through the prose. <laughs> We've, we've enjoyed it so much that we just ordered another copy of The Color Magic and just kept this for ourselves instead oh, of sending it back. Wow. So, yeah. I, it, it, Sandra Hill has brought us so much joy in these dark times. I can, I can tell. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you shared this with me. Yeah. I don't think I've seen a book like that since the Kroger checkout aisle in like yeah, 1990. No, uh, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. It, it, well, it, it evokes a certain feeling. It, it is. is a nostalgia that's welling up in me. And I mean, it's something I may have bought at one point yeah. in my life. Ooh. The truth comes out. Oh, no. I was an unabashed romance th- when I was in high school. She that in one of those, like, Zodiac scrolls that they had. <laughs> and some fruit striped gum. And yes. that was, like, called it a... Oh, my God. Fruit striped gum. <laughs> well, I had also hit the Harlequin romance spinner oh, before well, I got there. You had to get all your monthly series. Yes. There was a really good time-traveling one that I enjoyed. It was, like, enjoyed. comic books for bored housewives. <laughs> or... or lifeguards i was a lifeguard at the time oh yeah yeah you had to have something to do in the slow periods when you are on the beach uh. see i was not having any fun i was reading ayn rand when i was a lifeguard oh, <laughs> is, yeah that's a, that's a difference mm-hmm. i think i read oh, the fountainhead one I summer i can see you there with yeah. the fountainhead and you're mm-hmm. yeah i also read those books and i was deeply into catcher in the rye but you had to have a little fun like, yeah i feel like but like as a lifeguard you're like dressed all in black with like doc martens on reading <laughs> Whole different picture. Yeah. Different, different I read. Um, I read the biography of Catherine the Great when I was a lifeguard, and yeah, all my all my peers were like, "What are you reading there, Jessica?" <laughs> well, I think it was my lifeguarding summers that then started my tradition of bringing the most depressing books to the beach. Like, yeah. I, like yeah. a beach read for me is a little life. Yeah, I'm like, let me sit on the beach. I don't want anything <laughs> fluffy while I'm no. there. <laughs> War for Gloria. That'd be a great beach read for those yes. of you that can relate to this. There's another wreck. For those emotionally melting down on a beach. Or for people who like go to the beach in the dead of winter That's and need to me. read the most depressing books. That's War for Gloria. Well, I think we should fly to England and go to like Lime. Lime. <laughs> Sit on the seashore with our book. Yeah. This would be great. You could do an e-shavers retreat. Yes. This is a reading retreat. Yeah. Yes. This is fabulous. Let me curate your list for you. Okay. I would Absolutely. love to do that. Hopefully we'll make it home. There'll be self-harm involved. <laughs> okay, okay, so where did we leave off before? A blue Viking. Well, now that I'm going to bore you so much with groundskeeping. No. It's no blue Viking, no. but it is a stunning novel. Um, it's it's set in Kentucky, and it's a writer's book, which I love. Mm-hmm. Two writers of love story between two young people that um, 
are both studying at a liberal arts college. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alma is the daughter of Bosnian <clears throat> immigrants, and Owen is a rural blue-collar Kentuckian who is working as a groundskeeper but wants to be a writer. Cue the setting of eve of Trump's election in 2016, uh-huh. and wonderful renderings that are very nuanced about the complexities of the South, which I just can read endlessly about. Uh, yeah, uh, okay. Now you're selling me on yeah, it. Yeah, so okay. it's very good. It's, I mean, he gets into, you know, he can't help but touch politics and race and class and mm-hmm. these things that are so complex, and I think he handles it in a really interesting way and brings up a lot of um, compelling conversations and arguments, and, and and then just the writing is, is bar none. He reminds me of like a, you know, I think he could sit in the company of Silas House or, you know, Brad Watson Mm -hmm. or Ron Rash, some of these writers that write so well about place. Mm -hmm. Um, Is he a younger writer? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You think he's in his maybe late 20s? Well, I read you the, um, he went to the Iowa Writers Workshop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean he went there recently. He could have gone there like, you know, 20 years ago. No, it it, it said recent, recent, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) you didn't read me the recent part. Oh, I was focused on other things. <laughs> but, so, yes. yes, I liked that one a lot. Um, the other one, oh, Swimmers, Juliet Suka. Do you remember okay. Buddha in the Attic? Yes. So I do remember Buddha in the Attic. Mm-hmm. And Swimmers, I was also... So when I'm when I'm when we're going through the list mm-hmm. together, we'll often read out descriptions um, mm-hmm. to one another. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in accents, sometimes <laughs> not. <laughs> what <laughs> accent did Swimmers get? <laughs> Uh, my, it might have been a hillbilly day that it, day. Oh, interesting. I was, yeah. Okay, that's... Well, we try to go against the grain of the That's very against yeah. the grain. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's about as against the grain yes. as you can get. Yeah. Um, well, that's... Well, Swimmers is going to be, yes, uh, I think, wonderful. It's, she's not a debut. This is her third mm-hmm. book, I think. But, um, yeah, <clears throat> if you like books of, you know, the interiority of women... That's kind of what this one, she's doing this very well with a woman who comes to the public pool every day to join her group of swimmers Mm -hmm. when there's a crack in the pool and their routine is disrupted. We realize that Alice has this, um, she has dementia. And Mm -hmm. so this brings chaos into her world. And then we learn that she was actually held as a prisoner in a Japanese internment camp when she was younger. So these memories start flashing forward and um, her daughter comes in who's been estranged from her to help in her caregiving. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of also a beautiful book about mothers and daughters, just stunning writing, um, kind of a quiet spare book. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, if you like, that sounds it's right Pretty up your alley, like Jess. my yeah. cup of tea. Right up yes. your alley. Yeah, catnip for Jessica. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Quiet, spare, interior. <laughs> yes. I think that, yes. Yeah. Pithy. I'm, I'm, sign me up. All those things. All those things. Yes. Um, and it's it's a rather slim one, isn't yeah, it? It's yeah, it's pretty short. Mm-hmm. Um, and then last but not least, I just want to say Margaret Atwood. Maybe you've heard oh, of her. Oh, yes. Oh. Hmm. I think we I saw think her one time. Familiar. Didn't we see her at yeah. some kind of event or something? She Was she go? here at the store? She wouldn't let she go of her purse. <laughs> she she was at um she was at um Winter Institute. Winter Institute, and she was in conversation she, with Aaron Morgan. That's right, we're yes. Starless Sea. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And um, she came up on stage holding her purse like the queen. <laughs> It was so cute. I know. That's adorable. And she said, I'm glad you all are here. I know you just came because you think I'm going to die soon. <laughs> oh, my God. She's 
hilarious. She is great. Yeah, she was great. Well, thank yeah. God she. Well, she hasn't yeah. died yet. Thank no. God that we, that will no, be devastating. We don't need that. Don't put, don't, don't, don't put that universe. out into the universe. <laughs> I take it back. Um, she is instead giving us a new book, and mm-hmm. it's a collection of essays, burning questions, mm-hmm. um, spanning from 2004 until now, covering mm-hmm. everything that we want Margaret's opinion on climate change, feminism, politics, Trump. Um, race, uh, the pandemic, just a mm-hmm. whole range of things. And she's got opinions. She has a lot of opinions. Mm-hmm. Are these things that are previously unpublished, or have they been published in other things? They have, some of them have been okay. published. Some are unpublished. Okay. It's pretty. Okay. It's pretty hefty. So you'll get you'll get a decent amount of new content. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, that's I, my spring preview. Mm. Oh, do you have a question? No, I'm just thinking like Margaret Atwood's opinion on Trump and. Like the essay that accompanies that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually haven't been able to read any of them yet. It has not oh. been released yet, so I'm okay. kind of dying to get my hands on when they put the manuscript out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I'm very curious. Also, Margaret's opinions on Texas. Yeah. Oh, yes, that'll be wow. And okay, yeah, yeah, the unfolding Gilead. That is, if you want to edit this part out, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, know. I feel like anyone who listens to us. Uh, has a fairly good opinion okay, of where, where, we, where, we, where, yeah. where we stand. Where we stand in the world. Um, I, yeah, know, like the uh, the real life Handmaid's Tale. That mm-hmm. yeah, I yeah I I I find it eerie that um, that the world is in the place that it is right now. But I do think that it has is and will spawn some great literature. Oh yeah, so. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, but it's funny though. Is like so she put out *Handmaid's Tale* in 1984. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. It was in the early 80s. 80s. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and you know, reading it at the time, it seems like so dystopian and like this is crazy and that this could never happen. This could never happen. Never say never. No. <laughs> that was an ominous thunder roll. Did you yes. hear that? Right? Did you guys <laughs> yes. cue that up? You have a sound engineer yeah, over yeah, on I the have side. A Foley cue thunder. <laughs> yes. All right. Okay. So I already admitted this to Jess earlier, but I'm going to just come clean and let everyone know that I was very late to the party on Emily St. John Mandel. I just recently read Station Eleven like a couple months ago. I did not read Glass Hotel in its entirety yet. I am reading it right now because I didn't realize how everything all fit together, but I did read Sea of Tranquility and even without the previous knowledge, I thoroughly enjoyed this book and read it in one sitting, and it's wonderful and fabulous. And so so if you've not read any Emily St. John Mandel, you could go straight to this, and you'd be totally fine. So just know that. That yes. is excellent. I'm so glad you said that. Yes. We, we say that we, we have been saying this, and mm-hmm. we've been waiting for real endorsements that this is, in fact, true. Yeah, <laughs> it, it definitely us- is true. But uh, like having background knowledge from the other books enhances this book, mm-hmm. for sure. But you don't need it. You it can, can just read this by itself, and it stands alone as a fabulous story. Totally. Well, this it, this makes me think. I mean, I think what she's doing as an author right now is so interesting. Mm-hmm. I so that was I couldn't wait to talk to Melissa about it, and that's why I prefaced it with, "Have you read the Glass Hotel? <laughs> you haven't read that yet." Because um, I loved the Glass. I I really liked Station Eleven. I loved the Glass Hotel, and I still think about the Glass Hotel. Like the characters in that book haunt me. And the atmosphere of that book and the hotel, which is its own character mm-hmm. and everything about it. And so this, um, 
I felt like it gave me another glimpse into that world. Um, I want there to be another book after this, though, because I don't feel like I'm completely done with these people. Well, that's what I think. I think she'll do it. I mean, I, oh, I, I just hope I so. hope so. But I think what she's doing is, um, you know, she's really building as an author. Like, you know, her books are linked in this way, but you can read them as you said mm-hmm. independently. Mm-hmm. But these little threads that she's weaving through to where as a whole body of work, she's creating a universe mm-hmm. that I think is just so interesting. And to be able to do it with having, you know, the independence of each text alone and then the subtle weaving is mm-hmm. just, just brilliant. Well, and so the, I think, I hope, uh, to your point, yeah. I hope she does, because I think this one leaves still a lot to There's explore. a lot out there yeah. to explore. And I, I love that she is a beautiful writer of fiction mm-hmm. um, and her... I, it sounds hackneyed to say atmospheric, but I think her books are very atmos- atmospheric. And um, But that she also, the science she writes about is plausible. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, ridiculous or completely out there. It's things that have, can, and really do happen. And might happen in the future. Sure. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, her starting to delve into AI and mm-hmm. simulations and holograms and the way... So that's, I, I wanted to, you know, yeah, just share this thought I had about the fact that she, the, the, so for listeners, the book is dystopian-esque, I think, mm-hmm. you know, in that it flashes into the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the thing I love about her books is that it's like life-affirming dystopia. Like it's not yes. this, you know, it's not this bleak, just everything is sterile and everything. And she actually has a line in the book and, and you know, for not too many spoilers, simulation, the simulation theory plays a really interesting p- part in this book as mm-hmm. in, are we living in a simulation, which people have. Okay. You know, and I don't want to spoil too much of the book, but we had a long discussion about when everything in the book converges, mm-hmm. ultimately, it still has to be driven by something, mm-hmm. which is a really interesting premise. And it's very much the question of predestination versus free will and whether that's possible. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's all I'm going to say without spoiling it. Yeah, too much. I think that's a great place to, to tease people into, yeah, because that's a big central question. Mm-hmm. And I think. Um, mm-hmm. She, yeah, she does a, a really interesting job of exploring that. Um, Excuse me. So I feel like... Well, kind of, can you kind of give us a... a well, so... Yeah, <clears throat> I'll give a, just a yeah, brief little of, outline of what the book is. So yeah. it's it takes place in three eras, and it starts with 1912. There's a young man that we meet, Edwin. Um, he he's on the he's he's banished from a dinner party <laughs> mm-hmm. where he you know had the audacity expresses socialist views exactly had the audacity to you know criticize col- colonialism mm-hmm. and bastard, uh, bastard. <laughs> so he is banished to <laughs> British Columbia. Well, um, he starts out interesting. I'm going to interrupt. Yeah. It starts out in Halifax, and mm-hmm. so when I started this book, I was with my daughter-in-law and son, and they live in Halifax, and she grew up there, and I'm very familiar. Like, I know Barrington Street. I know exactly where he was when the ship sailed in, and so I was like, you're not going to believe this book I'm reading, and so, <laughs> but he makes his way across Canada. Yes. He does. He makes mm-hmm. his way across Canada, and he has an, a moment in a forest, which becomes very important for the mm-hmm. book, where he stumbles into a clearing and without giving too much away he has a moment where he believes he's hallucinating but something happens with time and he hears this violin music 
Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of the 1912 era. And then we flash into like the mid 2000s and we meet Vincent, mm-hmm. um, who is a character from Glass Hotel. Mm-hmm. So there's the the thread there. And um, don't who I loved. I love I Vincent. Loved Vincent. I love Vincent so <laughs> I much. I do too. I mean, yeah. you said a character you think about all the time. Yeah. I mean, Vincent is that character. She is. Yeah. She's just, uh, yeah, she's stunning. And mm-hmm. I'm so glad to revisit her in this book. But um, Vincent has. Uh, we, we meet her and we meet this, um, we, we hear also about her brother Paul, who is the artist that kind mm-hmm. of stole from Glass Hotel some um, art and art project that she was a part of. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's this midpoint where we revisit these characters and then we flash into the future. I think it's like 2241 and it's a moon colony mm-hmm. and we are on book tour with Olive. Llewellyn, who yes. is, we could say, I think, close autofiction, mirroring yes. Emily St. John Mandel mm-hmm. and maybe the book tour that she was doing for mm-hmm. Station Eleven, writing yeah. a book about a pandemic, because Olive has written a book about a pandemic, and it has brought her great success. And now and, it's a pandemic. And now it's a pandemic again. Mm-hmm. So everything is kind of looping around and coming full circle, and we have these three points in time, and then that's the setting, but the the book is just so... Kind of, it's hard to explain. Well, it's re- it's a little bit further in the future. Oh yeah, it does. With um, Gaspery. Yeah, yes. yeah, Gaspery, and he, um, who's also a great character. Yeah, he's great. a fabulous, fabulous character. character. Um, and he is working in a hotel on one of the moon mm-hmm. colonies, and his sister works for the Bureau of Time. Time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and, and that's yeah that's probably all we can say without giving I think it too is. much yeah, away. Yeah, because go ahead. But at the beginning of the book, there's an interesting twist, which is in the first you know thirty or forty pages, where when um, the first character enters British Columbia and is struck by the smallpox epidemic. So there is a sort of epidemic on epidemic on um, mm-hmm. theme in the book. Mm-hmm. It's our pandemic epidemic. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think what's what really struck me was we I think with COVID we tend to think that we because this is new for us living mm-hmm, in an mm-hmm. era like this, we we do get a little bit of tunnel vision and think that this is so unique and strange this time. We forget that it has obviously happened before. Mm-hmm. It will happen again yeah. in the future. And I think this book reminds us that we live with this. It lives among us. Mm-hmm. Right. Pandemics, epidemics, viruses. It, it places it in a very, um, I guess, for better or for worse, it just makes it feel like a fact of life because... Well, it is. And it's it is. A, yeah. And the characters are referencing these long past epidemics, but then also like are keenly aware of ones that are on the future, even more, I think, than we were pre-COVID. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and she even references COVID in this at yeah. one point, mm-hmm. too, um, which it doesn't happen during COVID. Like it's, right. it's referenced as something that has happened, happened in, in the, the past, past and yeah. everybody gets vaccinated as children for yeah now um but i was really struck by the smallpox because you forget how entire cultures were wiped out by Mm -hmm. smallpox in in the the americas Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and i can't even imagine what their cultural history would have sounded like had they survived and been able to you know really fully put into words Mm -hmm. what that was like so that's a happy note. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I was just, th- so the one thing I was going to say just um, with the, so these three books, um, one of the other things that she does throughout all three of them is 
take multiple points in time where she weaves together. Like, that is something through all three of the books. Mm-hmm. And I think this one kind of spans the longest time period, mm-hmm. for sure, but, but all of her books go mm-hmm. back and forth and weave mm-hmm. in past and future, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's... Oh, she's good. Oh, she's, she's really, really good. Really like, good. It's like yeah. when you get to the end of it and you're like, holy crap. Like, mm-hmm. seriously? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, so, um, I read this in one day, really. I sat down in the morning and started reading Same. it. Yeah, and I cor- it. sort of went through my day, but mm-hmm. just read the book and completely immersed in it. Couldn't go to sleep till I finished it. Um, and I haven't read anything that I just could do that and it felt so effortless Mm -hmm. like I wanted to be there in that book well and I will say too it ruined me for like the next two books I read after it because I was like (laughs) yeah I mean I think that we we overuse this term when we pitch books effortless and I think we do unfairly overuse it so when you find one that truly is that Mm -hmm. you're like no please take me seriously in this but it is it's she she is just um there is a softness and uh a delicateness to her writing that I think is, um, it's just really incredible. And when you get into her world, y- you are, you can't do anything else. No. You, you really, and it's it, completely immersive. It mm-hmm. is completely immersive. And it's also, for it being like delicate and soft, it's also incredibly complex. Mm-hmm. And the issues that she talks about are very large and and wide, wide sweeping, but mm-hmm. it doesn't, well, they're grounded. It's yeah. like you can you can access them. So, yeah. so I think for dealing with what this book deals with, I mean, metaphysics, simulations, time travel, you know, kind of deep, like Jess was saying, deep mm-hmm. science that's yeah. grounded in really complex theories. It's you you can access it, and then it's also the story of people. It's I mean, that was one mm-hmm. of my favorite lines in the book. Is if we're living in a simulation, we're still living a life. Yeah, it it's still a life. Mm-hmm. You know, it still mm-hmm. matters in that way. And um, so it's just she really brings the humanity, and she's really I think um, always probing. And that's what I love about her books: really probing and deeply concerned with what makes us human, what keeps mm-hmm. us connected to our humanity, whether it's you know because we're living in a world that feels so broken and awful. Like, how do we Mm -hmm. retain that? And I love that theme of, um, again, without giving too much away, part of the time travel aspect that is is really controversial is, you know, whether you can change the past and what it would mean to do that and whether it's your responsibility to or not. And I love that whole, you know, the complexity of that argument. Yes, I always love a good argument about, free will and predestination. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's one of my favorite themes mm-hmm. in, in literature, life, etc. And, um, and I think she does, uh, she makes interesting points on both sides mm-hmm. and, um, neither one makes the life less meaningful. Yeah. So, yeah. and um, then, then in just a nerdy, nerdy side note, I mm-hmm. always like the notes and acknowledgements at the back of her books. Cause I am the kid that reads all the oh, way yeah. through all of that. Oh, same. Like mm-hmm. that yeah. there's like, small little things that she puts in there and she's like, no, this is real life. This is like, here's mm-hmm. the, where this came from and this is where yep. this came from. And like, I, I yep. enjoy that. No, that yeah. there's always like a couple of little snippets in there where she's like, no, no, this is, this actually happened. Yes. Yeah. The fact that she actually scrawled and when you read the book, you'll get it. No good chickens. Program. And she comes clean about that and says, this was yep. taken from my real life. I love yes. that. Yeah. Um, no, it's it, it. Yes. These were very good in notes. Um, 
But, like, Station Eleven is like that as well. There's, like, a couple mm-hmm. little things in Station Eleven where she's like, oh, no, like, I had that conversation with somebody. Like, that's a thing. Well, <laughs> and I like that um, when you look at her endnotes, you also realize the amount of reading and, and research that she did mm-hmm. to write this book. Like, it just didn't spring out of her head. Yeah, um, yeah. It, absolutely. She came up with the idea, but she really mm-hmm. did the work to yeah. make it as... As um, flawless as it is to read it. Mm-hmm. Well, so. so unfortunately, though, this one doesn't come out till April. Is that it right? is. Sorry, guys. <laughs> we are really teasing this far in advance. Yes, yes. It is, but you know, you can you. It, there'll be a lot of of buzz to to mm. remind you that it's coming. Um, one thing also I want to say for any fans out there that are listening, um, we are very excited that Emily is so kind to the indie bookstores. She always has been. She loves the indies, and she has agreed to do an indies exclusive edition. It's so, so exciting. I know. That's why we kind of had to talk about mm-hmm. it, even though it's not coming till April. But she um, she's going to be signing books for the indies and writing a special chapter, and you will only be able to get these books from your local independent bookstore. I can't read. I, okay. I want to okay, read so the so extra yeah, chapter so, so much. Is, yeah. Where does the extra chapter fit in? Is I it have no end? idea. Is it somewhere in the middle? middle? Is I it have no end? idea. We have we know nothing yet. We just know that she's doing I this. Want, I know. It's I want more at the end, I but, know. you know, I'll take whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get greedy, Jazz. No. <laughs> you will take what she gives you. You will like it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, this will be one printing, and so um, it'll be like, it'll be a real collector piece mm-hmm. down the line and yeah. and then also um these cool limited edition postcards that she's going to do that will have scenes from the book oh. so every store if you want to do a little pre-order campaign oh, yeah. every store uh, yeah. okay. will yes. get a dozen <laughs> yes <laughs> there's a lot of cool this assets. is our pre-order campaign okay right pre-order here. campaign pre-order <laughs> your copy of sea of tranquility from e shaver yeah get your indies exclusive edition mm-hmm. if you're one of the first 12 to pre-order get your limited edition postcard I know. Well, that's um, so um, Penguin, not yeah. but part of the Random House group. Patricia Lockwood, who is lives in Savannah, and it's now shortlisted for the Booker Prize. Mm-hmm. But she's drawn little postcards of her cat. Oh, um, how cute! Yeah, so she's come in and, and like signed her copies. Our oh my god, we those have are these. so cute! Yes, so but, we have. Which, if people don't know, her cat is actually very much Twitter famous. Miet mm-hmm. is a internet sensation wow (laughs) yes well for those of you that can't see this is a cat jumping through a rainbow hoop against a soft tie-dye cotton candy sky of watercolors yes (laughs) which is all you could want which is all you could want all you could want (laughs) yes um Yes. yes, it's been very exciting to have someone that we know. Yeah. Short, and she came in the day it was announced to the yes. store, and she's like, I just wanted to come in to tell you that um, I've been shortlisted for the Booker Prize. And, and you're like, like, that's a big deal. Well, she said, because you need to say, change your sign. It says longlisted for the Booker Prize. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. She was on you. Yeah. That is it was, great. Well, we didn't know it. It just but she knew yeah. before. It had, yeah. So, anyway, it's a lot of, I, I love my job most days. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah we're lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we get to sit here and do this. And talk about books. I finally no. found my people. I mean, it took like 45 years, but... Well, thank God. I know. Same. Yeah. But once you find them, you don't leave. Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's why book selling tends to... Like, people who have this job tend to stay in this job. Oh, it's yeah. Fun, it, like, it's funny. It's like, there's not, like, huge turnover. Like, like retail job. It's mm-hmm. it's not... It's mm-hmm. not that. Yeah. No. 
All right. Well, thank you yeah, for thank all you the so news. Much. We appreciate it. This was wonderful. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I was, this was so fun. Last time we did it on Zoom and we mm-hmm. just, you know. We still had fun. We yeah. still had a blast, but mm-hmm. I can like reach out and touch <laughs> you and it makes me so happy. <laughs> 